Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for see, Jesus simply said this, the reason the sheep are lost, the reason the sheep are empty, the reason they're confused is because their shepherds were not teaching the Word of God. Same problem 2,000 years ago. So he says, I'm here. And notice what Jesus did. He taught, he preached, and he healed. And when he sends his disciples out, you know what he's going to tell them to do? Teach the Word, preach the Word. And heal. With the constant flow of media and social movements, it can be incredibly difficult to sort through it all with discernment. As our political leaders and social movement advocates progress, there seems to be a steady influx of confusion in regards to absolute truth. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark uses several examples to demonstrate the repercussions of moving towards a morally relativistic society. In our study, we learned that the one true source for guidance and absolute truth can come from none other than the written Word of God. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, Company Expanding, Great Jobs Available. I'm not trying to put people down. I'm not condemning people. But I want to show you how desperate our world is today. Number one, when, when five-sixths of the people have no use for the Bible, what does that tell us? We're in trouble as a nation. Any of you know what was the winner of the best movie this last week for last year? Anybody know the name? I won't ask you if you went to it. If you did, I'll talk to you later. Anybody know, know the name of it? Brokeback Mountain, winner of four Golden Glove Awards, best picture of the year. Let me tell you what it's about. It's about two cowboys who are out, and one night they find themselves in a tent together, and they make love, two men, homosexual, and they begin to love it. They like it. So they expand that in the movie. Later in the movie, both the men marry a woman, different woman, as a wife. So they both go to a normal marriage, as God designed. They have children, as God designed. You go, well, whew, finally, got that out of their life. No. The movie shows that during a normal year, they go to have a tryst three or four times with each other. So in town, we have a husband and wife, children, and husband and wife and children. 
Things are going fine. They're having sexual relationships with each other. But a few times a year, these two husbands go, and they have homosexual relationships with each other. And that is the best movie of this year. But I want you to hear a statement that's blasphemous. Comes from somebody speaking about the picture. This is a film in which love feels almost as if it was being invented. Now, I don't have to watch a movie to find out how to define love. I just turn to 1 Corinthians 13 and it tells me what I have about love. And it does not tell me that I have homosexual lesbian relationship. It does not tell me that love includes adultery. You say, Pastor Mark, it's no big deal. What? It's no big deal? It's a huge deal. Because the world says, it's okay. Now, we love homosexuals. We love lesbians. We love people that commit adultery. We hate their sin. Just like we hate any of the sin that we do. But I want to tell you, Sodom and Gomorrah was judged for that. And we're very close. Let me just say this to you. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ and you went and you're enjoying that movie, you're as crooked as can be. Amen. I say it again. Amen, amen, amen. You can't watch that stuff. Well, how about the voice that tells us this? By the way, was that God's voice? Did he vote for the movie of the year? No. Now, I'm not making fun of those people. Those people need God. Before you were a Christian, you were lost, just like they are. So we have to pray for them. How about the Da Vinci Code? Is that God's voice? No, it's not God's voice. It's voice from the pit of hell. That movie is incredibly successful. Now, in, in case you think, man, Bomber's really too, we're going to get placards, we're going to go all over the place, we're going to do it. Wrong. You know what we're to do? Just keep telling the truth and shine for Jesus. We're not into all this jazz you see people doing. We're not going that way. We're not hate people. We're none of that kind of stuff. We don't pick it. We just love Jesus. Teach the word of God. And when the light comes on, people go, whoa, need a change. You got it. And God will change you. The Da Vinci Code. By the way, was the book popular? The movie's coming. Will the movie be popular? Yes. You know, it purports that Jesus, Mary Magdalene, had relations with her. That's garbage. So, when the movie comes... Somewhere in that month, I'm going to teach a whole weekend on the garbage of the Da Vinci Code. Why? So that you'll have understanding of the voices out there that is not from God. Let me read you another one. You tell me where this voice came from. This last Wednesday, a Vermont judge handed out a 60-day sentence to a man who raped a little girl many, many times over a four-year span, starting when she was seven. The judge, when asked about the 60-day jail sentence, said he no longer believes in punishment and is much more concerned about this man and his rehabilitation. Now, where did that voice come from? Did that voice come from God? That voice did not come from God. Our country is about to be judged. Our country is way out of plumb. When can you have a judge... A little girl gets abused for all those years and a slap on the man's hand. We're a sick country. But we just have to shine. God's put us here. So we shine. By the way, in case you think every church is right, and we're not perfect, you certainly know that. I looked at an advertisement last week, a local church, I won't tell you, it's not important, but here's what it said. 
Come to this church, we'll teach you how to hear God's voice because God's voice is within you. God's voice isn't within you unless God's within you. And I know from that church, nobody in that church has God within them. Why? Because they believe any way you can reach God. Any religion, anything, doesn't matter. They don't even teach the Word of God. And they're telling me I can hear God's voice? No, that's a voice from the pit of hell. You see, Jesus simply said this, the reason the sheep are lost, the reason the sheep are empty, the reason they're confused is because their shepherds were not teaching the Word of God. Same problem 2,000 years ago. So he says, I'm here, and notice what Jesus did. He taught, he preached, and he healed. And when he sends his disciples out, you know what he's going to tell them to do? Teach the Word, preach the Word, and heal. By the way, what is our focus here? Teach the Word. Once in a while you hear me preaching the Word. (laughs) And heal. In those two rooms at the back, at the end of every service, we anoint people with oil. We believe God still heals today. That's the role of the church. Sheep need a shepherd that's going to teach the word of God. In fact, Jesus said it like this. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what do you want to write today? You want to simply write this. We must align ourselves with the word of God. We can't be doing our thing. You can't come into the office and say to me, well, Pastor Mark, I'm an exception. You are not an exception. You can't be sleeping together before you marry. Pastor Mark, that's an old thing. It is not an old thing. It's a biblical thing. Paul made it very clear. He shows us how we get out of a line. Remember, sheep are followers. Look what he says in Romans 12. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You see, we can't blame the people that vote for this movie. I mean, it, it could be terrific acting. I don't know. Obviously, I'm never going to see it. It could be awesome acting. But it's not the acting that God's talking about. It's the morality of what we just looked at that God's talking about. So you can't blame the people because the way they think is ungodly. Well, certainly it's ungodly. Ephesians 2 says, When we were dead in our trespasses and sins. There's no perfect people here. We're still working on it. So don't get too judgmental, and I'm not too judgmental. I just want to say to you, have to be very careful that the world's morals don't squeeze us into its mold. I have to change the way I think. What changes the way I think right here? Word of God changes. It tells me how to think, and it tells me the right way to think, and God does that. Then he goes on and he says, when you do that, then you know what God wants you to do, and you know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. You see... Again, back to that principle, if I follow the word of God, then in John 10 it says, well, he came to give us life and life abundantly. I love serving God. Am I perfect? No. Are you? No. That's why we're together. We're just working on it together. But God's changing us, isn't he? And we're becoming more like him. And when you see those people, you don't condemn them. Remember, John chapter 3 says he didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. So don't get all upset and you know, put that pocket in my car and forget all that stuff. Pray for them. Listen, they're sheep without a shepherd. No matter how much money they have, no matter how many accolades, they're harassed and they're helpless and they have no hope. And their life is simply empty. And that's why God brought us here. 
Well, what is the solution to these people that are like that? Look at verse, back to Matthew chapter 9. Your finger was there quickly. Back to Matthew chapter 9. What's the solution? It's very simple. Matthew 9, verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, now he's going to change the metaphor from sheep to a harvest. He said to his disciples, only to his disciples, not to the sheep, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Notice what Jesus is talking about. He says, you, and I'll use you as the people. And let's say the disciples were here with me on stage. He says to the disciples, hey, look out there. Those people are seeking answers to life. The problem, there's too few of us to explain it to them. That's why the title this morning, The Company's Expanding, Great Jobs Are Available. So he says to the disciples, how are we going to fix this problem? Well, the, he says we're going to fix this problem basically by challenging the disciples to see the need. He says to the, the disciples, look all around you. There's massive number of people around you that have no shepherd. And you might say, well, Pastor Mark, that's not true here. Visually, I want you to see today yellow school buses filled with children and students. The harvest is massive. Walk the streets of your neighborhood. Yesterday, Linda and I walked the streets of our neighborhood. And obviously, I percolate the sermon during the last three or four days of the week. And, you know, I just spend all that time just seeing what God wants me to do. And as we walked the streets in our neighborhood, I said to my wife, home after home after home, sheep without a shepherd. I was really sad. Oh, they're doing life. They're wonderful people, but they're sheep without a shepherd. And then I see all the kids in the neighborhood. Kids are being raised with no shepherd. What do you do? Well, you do whatever's right. Not the word of God. They don't even know the Bible. And here I am in that neighborhood, and I'm going to say that the fields are white. Oh, they're white to harvest. Now, they may not know it, but they're white to harvest. And what Jesus is trying to say is, look around you. Look at your neighborhood. When you go to work tomorrow, and you sit in that lunchroom, every pair of eyes you look into, if they're not a follower of Jesus Christ, they're hurting. They're helpless. Can you and I be sensitive enough to see that they have a need? Well, maybe they won't voice it initially, but are we open to hearing it? Those of you that live in apartment complex, you don't have a street to walk on. Walk down the hallways of your apartment complex and pray for those people in a condo. Pray for them. You're right up in the elevator. With, they're lost. They're helpless. They're harassed. They have no shepherd. Sheep can't do life alone. Those of you that are college students, that campus is swarming with kids. They've been to the latest movie. They've been in the latest bed with each other. They're just having a great time. But disaster's coming because they're empty and lonely and guilty. When you go this afternoon to Walmart or Publix or wherever, think of the people you walk by. Oh, the baskets are full, but the hearts are empty. Life doesn't consist in the abundance of stuff. They're sheep. And so Jesus says, the fields are, they're, they're white, they're everywhere. But there's too few shepherds. So what is, this, what is the solution to this problem? I'm going to give you two of them and we're through. Look at verse 38. Ask the Lord of the harvest, that means pray, therefore to send out workers into his harvest field. Solution number one, Jesus says, disciples pray for more workers. Pray for people who will have compassion. Pray. You see, when I pray, 
things happen. When I don't pray, things don't happen. Jesus wanted his disciples to pray that God would open their eyes to feel and see the field white to harvest. Can you see that today? That's my prayer for you. Next. Then he says, here's the second solution. Not only to ask. Solution number two, Jesus told his disciples to pray for more people who would go and share the gospel. You see, it's not enough to have an emotional compassion. I have to do something about it. I need to put it into action. William Barclay tells a story about Martin Luther. Martin Luther had a friend who felt about the Christian faith as he did. Martin Luther, as you know, was a monk, and this other friend was a monk. They came to an agreement. Luther said, I'm going to go down into the streets of our community in the heat of the battle, in the Reformation, and uh, as I do that and try to win people over to Christ, I want you to stay. And the friend says, I'll stay in the monastery. I'll hold your hands in prayer. So Luther's down in the streets of the cities, this other monk's in the monastery, lifting his hands and praying. The true story says that one night, the friend in the monastery had a dream. God gave him a dream. He saw a vast field of corn as big as the world and one solitary man trying to reap it. It was heartbreaking. It's impossible. And then God gave him a glimpse of the reaper's face. It was his friend, Martin Luther. And he saw in a moment, God say to him, you must leave. The time for praying is over. The time for going and getting to the work in the field starts now. You see, we need to pray. Certainly we need to pray. And what is my prayer? Well, my prayer is for you to be shepherds. For you to have a heart for the lost. For you to desire to go and, and minister to these people in your subdivision, in your condo, in your apartment complex, on the school bus, at the campus, where you work. You see, people need, people are sheep and they need a shepherd. What kind of heart do you have to have? You'll see in a moment. What kind of excuses do you have? Oh, we have a million excuses. I won't even go into all the excuses today. But there are no valid excuses. Jesus says the fields are white because people are looking to find answers to life. Will you be sensitive enough to go? Be bold enough to go and share your faith? You see, somebody was bold enough to share their faith with you. That's how you got here. Somebody took enough courage to pray and say, and maybe they came day after day after day to you. And you blew them off, but eventually you came to God. God has placed you around people to be a shepherd. I just want to say this to you. Last night as I looked over all the people and then in the first service and all of you here, I want you to understand something, that the pastors and the elders here, we take this very, very, very seriously. I'm a shepherd of thousands of people. I don't do that because I'm paid to do it. I do it because I have a heart for you. Oh, I'm not a perfect shepherd. Far from it. But I want you to know, if you call this your church, you have a shepherd that cares for you. Your pastors and elders care for you. We want to be around you. We want to protect you. We want to guide you. I want to always teach the word to you. I want to try to live as best I can to model what I teach. 
And I can't speak for the other guys. I know they're hard, but I'll say this to you, not glibly. If God requires it, I'll lay my life down for you. That's why I'm here. And God didn't put you in your neighborhood because it was the right house or the job because it was the right job. Oh, it was that. But there's sheep all around you. They don't know where to go. They need a shepherd. You have a tremendous responsibility to open your mouth and to bring them to the great shepherd. Oh, that's not me. That's God. But it has to be a place where they can be taught the word of God. This is one of many in our community. This morning, I'm going to ask you to kind of put yourself in these little sentences we're going to have on the overhead. Then we're going to leave. I'm going to pray for you before we do that. Take a look. Just ask yourself, God, to speak to your heart right now. Jesus said, "Companies expanding. Here's how you're to act. Judge yourself. Use the plumb line. This is the plumb line this morning. Take a look at your own life. Your name goes there. Mark goes to where the people are with the good news. That's the plumb line. Do you? When is the last time you invited somebody to church? Well, I'm waiting for them to knock on my door. No. You go to them. Mark ministers to the needs of people. Well, Pastor Mark, I really don't have that gift. Yes, you do. All of us are servants. Mark sees the people's needs. When you see people, you look right beyond them? Or do you say, God, show me their heart? Can you catch a word that somebody says that's trying to say to you, help, but you didn't catch it because you're too busy? Am I guilty of that? The plumb line says, Mark has compassion on people. Remember, compassion is more than just heartfelt need. It's doing something about it. And by the way, you know where all of those things really happen? They happen in your neighborhood, but they happen in a small group again. Lady stopped me last night and she said, recently I lost two loved ones, my parents, and I'm having a hard time getting over it. Is that unusual? I said, no, it's not unusual. So I told him to get the grief share and I told her to get into a small group. You see, we're all hurting. We're sheep. And I need people to care for me. Certainly it's going to happen here in a big setting, but it has to happen in a small setting. Second to last, Mark listens to and obeys and follows Jesus, the real shepherd. In a moment, I'm going to ask you that question. Who are you following? Some of you are not believers. And if you're not a believer, you're not going to end up where you want to end up. And lastly, what is the plumb line for your life? Is it the Word of God? That's the only line, that's the only plumb line that's absolute truth. My word will never pass away. Uh, The Bible says every word of God is flawless. It's not outdated. It fits perfectly. What path are you on this morning? There's a path that seems right to a man, but the end thereof, it's death. You see, Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. Some of you can't say that. Who are you following this morning? The only way you're ever going to have satisfaction and peace is to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. As societies progress and expand, they often lose sight of their beginning foundations that once made them great. With the constant intake of new ideas or cultural traditions, it's easy for moral, ethical, and spiritual standards to lose their positive effects on society. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark demonstrated to us how easy it is to stray from truth when we abandon God's Word. 
Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on Today's Date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. As passionate as we can be towards a trade, craft, or hobby, we sometimes find a comfort zone that puts us at a standstill in our learning and improving. When it comes to being a disciple of Christ, we need to avoid this comfort zone at all costs. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach us how our discipleship is a lifelong process and how God will use us for His kingdom if we're willing. We've run out of time for today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.